Hello, and welcome to another Industry Careers for PhDs podcast brought to you by Cheeky Scientist. I'm your host, Isaiah Henkel, and today we will be talking with Barbie Honeycutt. Um, on the topic of transferable skills. Uh, as always, if you want to get access to the full interview and all of our full interviews, as well as access to all of our job search materials and our complete job search blueprint, as well as our private PhD level job referral network, go to cheekyscientist.com backslash association and learn how to become an associate. And if you want to get all of our podcasts and our free articles sent to your email inbox as they come out, Go to CheekyScientist.com and sign up on the bottom of the homepage. Just enter your name and email address. And of course, you can listen to all of our podcasts at any time on iTunes. Uh, so once again today, we will be talking with Barbie Honeycutt on the topic of transferable skills. And we will jump in and start now. So welcome, Barbie. Thanks for being on with us today. There we go. Hey, Barbie. Hey, did how you, are you? Did, I'm good. Did you hear my intro? Yes, I heard the intro. All right, great. Well, thank that you was quite an intro. That. You just build me up. So now I've got all these high expectations. <laughs> <laughs> that's what we like. That's what we like to do. Raise the bar. <laughs> uh, but yeah, thanks for making time today. Uh, we we really appreciate it. Absolutely, I'm excited to be here. I just wanted to reach out because I found your your website and found you through Twitter, and I, I am just so in awe of what you're doing and so supportive of how you're working with doctoral students. Um, and postdocs on these transferable skills to prepare for, you know, careers outside of academia. Um, and so uh, I, I have a lot of experience in that, working with TAs who are looking for positions outside of higher education. And so I'm hoping that I can, um, I don't know, offer a little advice. Absolutely, and we know you can. I mean, given all your experience, I think this is this is the perfect topic uh, to bring you on for because, you know, figuring out this this transferable skills thing, it's not easy, right? We hear this phrase, transferable skills, but what does that actually uh, mean? And we want to break it down for all of you guys listening. Uh, so, so I guess that's the first question uh, that I wanted to jump into with you, Barbie, is, is what transferable skills, you know, can you learn from, let, let's just say, from teaching and being a teaching assistant and uh, that, that might help you in jobs outside of academia or just, you know, in academia in general, what kind of transferable skills can you learn and apply uh, to industry? Excellent. I love this question. Um, so I don't know how many of the participants have had a TA appointment, a, a teaching assistant appointment, um, but usually that's typical in, in graduate school at some point. You do have the opportunity to teach or at least serve as a grader at some point on your journey. And so I think it's important to to reframe how you think about your TA position or your grading position uh, when you're when you're working with a faculty member. Um, it doesn't matter if it's a lab environment. It doesn't matter if it's a big lecture. It doesn't matter if it's online. There are some common skills that I think transfer from um, that experience that you can take with you no matter where you go. And I think a lot of postdocs and graduate students tend to think that a TA appointment is only to prepare them for a faculty position or and just a way to, you know, uh, supplement their their salary uh, while they're earning their degree. And I just wanted to reframe that for this audience and think that um, that maybe you can you can get more out of it than that. So I came up with seven skills. Um, don't know if we want to tackle them all here or break them up throughout the the um, the podcast. That's up to you. Um, but I did come up with seven things, just sort of package it together as an easy way to um, think about your skills when you're teaching. So how would you like to approach that? Do you just want me to jump in? Yeah, let's go through it. We, we love practical things here, so let's go through them Let's all. go. Okay. Well, obviously, I think the very first one that's probably the, the most in your face is if you are 
standing in front of that classroom, working with students, or working in the lab, walking around, talking to students. Um, obviously, your speaking skills and your facilitation and presentation skills are being refined and honed every single day. And so really thinking about how you present information, how you um, convey yourself professionally at the front of a classroom, or how you really talk to students and listen um, and work with them to make sure that they're succeeding in the classroom. And so this translates to the job because certainly you have to speak in a boardroom or for a presentation. Um, perhaps if you're on the team and you are you know, on a team no matter where you go, if you are um, the one that's tapped to do a presentation or a speaking engagement, you've been there, you've done that. Just your audience at that time was student, students. And then when you're out in the field, um, in industry or wherever you may go, your audience will be colleagues. So I think that really paying attention and refining those presentation and speaking skills is critical. Just um, going back and thinking about um, the in-person piece, you know, things like eye contact, walking around the room, owning your space, being comfortable in front of an audience. Um, no. And then the second piece to that, I was just going to say, is is the uh, online environment. So what we're doing here, a podcast or making um, uh, short video clips for your students, all of those are other ways to communicate in today's marketplace. You have to be able to, to do this in a virtual environment. Yeah, absolutely. And so I want to jump in here for you guys listening. Now, don't get caught up on semantics, right, if we're talking about students, uh, academics, whatever it is, teaching. Now, a lot of you guys, everyone on here has either worked in a lab and whether or not you've held a kind of, uh, you know, professorship position or if you taught a class or whatever it might be, you know, some postdocs have done this. If you haven't done this, it doesn't matter, right? The key here is what these, these transferable skills are and how to apply them to industry. And certainly, every one of you, I'm guessing, is given at least one talk, right? So that's a very important transferable skill like we've talked about because you're going to have to stand up in meetings in industry and you'll, you're going to have a lot of meetings in industry so it's very important um, and even stuff you might not think about like being here on this webinar and contributing to it and asking questions uh, this is something you can say you're involved in and you have knowledge of you have knowledge of uh, you know webinar trainings this is a transferable skill and it's something that you could put on your resume um, so that's what today is really about is to digging into these things that you're not really thinking about um, in terms of things that you already have at your disposal, you already know how to do uh, that are critical in industry. And it's not just about, you know, what hard skill or what technique you may have learned in the lab and matching that to some job posting. It's about thinking about these interpersonal type things, thinking about these skills that, that translate very easily and, and learning how to articulate them uh, on a resume, on an interview, or, or while you're networking. Uh, so sorry to jump in there, uh, Barbie. I just want to make sure that we, you know, break things down. Uh, no, I, I need, yeah, I definitely need you to do that so that I'm speaking to the needs of your audience. I'm still learning what all you do. Um, so I appreciate that. Jump, please jump in. Um, sure. So speaking, presentation, facilitation skills, all of those, no matter if they're in person, face to face, one on one with a student or or um, here virtually, uh, being able to really translate that into the kind of job that you may have um, once you graduate or once you move on from your postdoc. Um, the second one that I was going to talk about is just organizational skills, um, not forgetting how yes. how organized you have to be to be a successful teacher or mentor or um, instructor in a lab environment. I mean, you, you have to do everything from no students' names, which is extremely important in business, um, industry, government, any post outside of the higher education. Knowing, student, uh, know, knowing people's names is a skill that is um, something that you can carry with you in any, any, any place you go. Um, but being organized, you know, you think about you have to give. A lot of you who might have taught before, you have to give feedback to students. Um, 
or colleagues even is is grades. Um, just managing grades and managing. I see one of you chimed in. You grade 150 midterms within a week. Absolutely, you have to stay organized. And what goes with that is time management. Those skills translate completely outside of of you know, your lab or higher education outside of a classroom. And so I wanted to call attention to organization skills. That's something that mm. uh, is easy to overlook. Yeah, absolutely. So, so number two, their organizational skills. And I know a lot of you guys are listening. You're like, well, you know, I'm a PhD, knowing names. Yeah, thanks for the huge tip. Uh, guess what? That is a big tip because it's these small things that really matter when getting an industry job. And, the, and one of the biggest reasons that PhDs don't get hired for jobs is because the hiring manager is like, okay, this is a, you know, it's a PhD. They don't, they don't get it. They don't know how to work in a, as a, uh, team, they don't really understand what's important for business. Uh, but these things like uh, managing, you know, uh, let's say you have summer interns in your lab. Uh, let's say you have undergrad students that come in and work for you. Managing these people, that is a huge transferable skill. St uh, staying organized in the lab, managing your time in the lab, which you guys know that you excel at more than anyone else. I mean, the, the kind of time management down to the minute that you have to do with multiple experiments running, this is the kind of stuff that you need to, to learn to articulate. So organi organizational skills is a huge transferable skill. And if you haven't highlighted that in your resume uh, or when you're networking or interviewing, you definitely should. So okay, great. Thanks, Barbie. Great. So here's another one. Um, if you teach or if you mentor, if you give feedback, um, Giving feedback and evaluation is critical if you want to find yourself as the leader of a team or a supervisor or a manager, uh, whatever ladder you climb, you're going to have to give feedback to those who report to you as well as those who work in alignment with you. And so it is extremely important for you to think about how you give feedback to your students or to those in your lab. Um, how do you do that? Is it is it critical? Is it always telling them what they're doing wrong? How can you reframe that so that every interaction with you becomes um, a, a teachable moment or a professional development opportunity where they can learn how to be a better team member or a better student or a better lab manager. Just how, how do you do that? And so a lot of times in higher education, you've been students, some of you still are, uh, you've seen rubrics, um, how papers are graded, how projects are graded. You know, giving feedback and being able to put a number on someone's you know, uh, work or being able to put a grade on it is is a skill in itself. Now, we won't have grades outside of higher education necessarily, but you do have performance goals that you have to meet. You have um, benchmarks. You have some of you might go into sales or something. You have sales points that you have to meet. And so learning how to take feedback and evaluation and not only take it for yourself, but give it to others is a huge skill that you can learn from a teaching experience. No, I love that. And I would just say, you know, not teaching, but just being in the lab as a postdoc or graduate student, whatever it is, this is huge. And it's actually something I haven't thought about. So this is great. I'm learning here. Uh, you know, we all think about being able to take feedback, right? Like that's a skill, definitely. But the ability to give feedback, that's very powerful. And I tell you, I'll tell you right now, if you highlight that, that's something that a lot of people, especially PhDs, don't think about. Um, but you, you have to give feedback. You collect all of this data and then you have to put it into, you have to report that to your PI. You have to give feedback on how things are going. You have to give other people feedback on their performance as well. Other people in the lab. Um, you know, if you're teaching, certainly uh, other graduate students, you have to give feedback to. Uh, you have to give feedback to uh, people that might be working with you, whether they're technicians or whatever else. So I, I think that's a, a, a really good transferable skill to use and one that I don't see a lot of people using. So if you want to differentiate, differentiate yourself, uh, think about how you can articulate that too. 
Excellent. Okay, well, good. I'm glad some of this is, is relevant. So um, as I sit down and I thought about number four, number four, um, it didn't really have a fancy name, but I'll just explain. I wrapped it under the headline of clarity. Um, whenever you have to teach someone something or demonstrate something to them, um, whether it's a, a lab experiment or whether it's a, a theory in class or a, a, an equation that has to be solved, um, Taking complex information and simplifying it in a way that others can understand it is the core of teaching. But we can expand that out to any environment, anytime you have to take something and, and show it to someone, demonstrate to someone, especially those of you who are in labs where you might be um, creating, inventing something new, working on patents, taking that and breaking it down and making it so that someone else can understand it. Uh, is is just the fundamental essence of what we do. And I think we take that for granted in higher education. You're surrounded by PhDs. You're surrounded by people who do this every day. And we have to step back and say, wait a minute, this is, this is a talent. This is something that I have to be able to do. I have to be clear about what it is, what are the goals, what's the purpose, um, what is this person going to get out of it if they're able to use it. Um, so just, just being able to be clear of, of how you do things. And, and in teaching, one thing that those of you who, who do teach or work with students, one thing that you may have, have seen is that students learn in very different ways. So I do a lot of workshops on different learning styles and preferences that people have and how you, how you work with that in your classroom. And so if you are, are aware of how people learn and how you can present information in a way so that they can all get it, whether they're visual learners, auditory learners, then that makes you extremely competitive for any type of position or any kind of team. Um, so I just wanted to highlight that that clarity. Um, I didn't really know what else to call it, so I just called it mm. clarity, is just being able to take that information that you know so well and translate it to others. Absolutely. And, and you guys, uh, Barbara's using the word you know, teacher and teaching a lot, but this applies to all PhDs, right? Not just if you've had held like an adjunct professor position or a TA or whatever. It's all of you. It's relevant for every single one. Anybody that wants to change industries. I mean, we're talking about transferable skills here. Uh, about 20 new people have got on here since we started. So we're right now we're talking about these seven key transferable skills that you guys have that you should highlight. And just to recap real quick that we're, we're more than halfway through them. Uh, the first was speaking communication. The second was organizational skills. Uh, the third is giving and taking feedback. And then this fourth one is, is clarity or, or really simplifying complex information. And you all know that this is what you do for a living, right? You get mountains of data and you have to sift through it for what's important. Um, but putting that into the kind of language that people in business will understand is, is critical too. And if you've seen, some of you have seen our live presentations where we talk about, you know, three of the biggest things that employers look for uh, during interviews, um, it, you know, one of them is problem solving skills. And more specifically, it's the ability to find problems, identify the right problem, and then find the right solution to the right problem. And this comes down to, again, uh, looking at complex information, simplifying it. So you, you need to be able to, to communicate that on your resume. Uh, so, yeah, great stuff here, Barbie. Thanks. Okay, excellent. I'm glad it's relevant. Okay, I'll jump into number five. Um, this might be more specific to those of you who are actually in the lab or teaching, working with students, but I called it uh, classroom management, although I could translate that to something being, you know, team management or people management. Um, just the idea that, you know, when you are working in groups in the lab or working with groups in a classroom environment, any learning environment, um, there's always something that there's always all these details you have to manage. Everything from how you grade them and give feedback 
all the way to how you manage conflict as the person who is in charge of that learning environment space. And so if you can think about a specific time when you managed conflict and resolved an issue or, as you said, problem solved something to help a team come to a solution, like I said, I call it classroom management because that's the world I live in, but I could translate that to team management or maybe you have a better word. Yes, no, um, but but taking taking that experience and being able, especially in an interview and giving an example is is so invaluable. Um, I can't even tell you how many times mm -hmm. I in interviews and how many times I've coached students and postdocs to make sure you give some specific story or example to something that an interviewer is asking. And a lot of times that could come from this space right here, this, this classroom management, people management space. Mm, absolutely. I'm not, okay, that was really exciting to me because we've talked about that before. And for those of you that went on the, the interview webinar that was uh, a few weeks ago, or if you've listened to it in the, in the webinar tab of your dashboard, uh, on the association site, you know that that uh, highlighting how you handle conflicts is so important. So I love this idea of conflict resolution. And again, you know, you guys really pay attention here because we hear the word transferable skills over and over again. But what does it actually mean? We're, this is the most practical breakdown of, of transferable skills that you can apply that I've ever heard. Uh, and conflict resolution, this is the best one I've heard so far. I mean, how many of you have, to, have had to deal with conflict with your PI or somebody in the lab? Say yes in the chat box here real quick at all, any kind of conflict, right? I mean, everybody, look at yes, 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 yes. Right, it happens to, to everyone. Um, and it's very easy to see that as kind of like a threat. Oh, I want to hide the fact that I wasn't getting along with my PI or my lab mates. Uh, but really, you can flip it and you can leverage it and, and use it as a strength instead. And you can highlight this. Again, networking interviews, resumes. Uh, what was the conflict you had? Uh, what was the story behind it? How did you resolve? it how did you bring people together okay so start figuring out those examples and figuring out a, a way to tell it because it's going to make you a, a much more viable candidate so great great example Barbie thanks excellent great okay let's go to number six number six I've seen a few questions come in and this might answer that those questions um, this one I, I housed under the name creativity um, so if you're a teacher if you're an instructor if you're in the lab and you're having to, to um, you know coach students or staff through a process of, of solving a problem or you know, maybe you're presenting new information or maybe you're, as we said before, maybe you're working on a patent or some new invention or new idea. In any case, there's a lot of creativity in that space. And creativity is a skill that um, mm. I don't even know if I call it a skill. I think it can be learned, but uh, that might open up a whole other can of worms. But I think just the idea of being creative um, and and taking risks, um, and I don't mean natively, mm. I mean in a good way sometimes. For example, when I am teaching a class or I'm preparing to go do a workshop for faculty at a university, I always think of these new ways to present information or um, flip it in the case of, of what I do, which is how do I engage my audience? How do I make sure that I'm meeting their needs? And so I'm always thinking of new creative ideas, whether it might be a learning game or whether it's a simulation or whether it's role playing or whether um, whether I can create some new process for them to make sure that they understand what we're trying to do. Um, just the idea of being creative and innovative is something that teachers naturally do. And don't discredit yourself and think you're not a teacher. Anytime that you are working one-on-one -on -one with a student or a colleague and you're, you're the one who's conveying that information, you're teaching. And so, so think about how you're creative in the space you're in every day and how you can convey that in an interview. I love that. So creativity, and, and you said the word once too, 
uh, Barbie, in, you know, innovative. So you guys, as PhDs, and this is something we talk about a lot, I mean, you are able to not just regurgitate information, but you are able to create new information. That is a very rare skill. And if you're not hitting that, you know, over and over again with any, you know, any interview, any networking event in your resume, um, you're really missing out. Um, so all these results you're highlighting in your resume, it's got to really touch on the fact that you're innovating new stuff. You came up with a new methodology. This is a big deal. How many people in the world come up with anything new that they didn't, didn't just repackage? Uh, very few people. Um, so, so creativity, highlighting that's a critical, critical uh, transferable skill. Um, and, and I like those examples, Barbie. Thanks. So I think Great. we have Thank one you. more, and right? As you think about creativity, I know a lot of you might be thinking about your online space. A lot of you may have a, um, a, web, a professional website, a CV that you put online. Um, if you're not in those spaces, you might want to think about it to be a competitive candidate out there. Um, today, that's what the first things people do is Google you online. So how can you convey that creativity in, in the virtual space? You know, um, how, how can you make that something tangible? Yes. Yeah, and for you guys that just readjusted your your LinkedIn summaries and headlines, be thinking about that. How can you? Have, did you put something in there that that highlights the fact that you're innovative, that you make new stuff that nobody else does? Right. I mean, that's what a PhD, That's the difference between a PhD and a master's in general, right? The fact that you didn't just master a field, but you added to a field. Um, so find ways to highlight that. Uh, sorry to jump in, Barbie. But yeah, Excellent. No, that's good. I wanted to follow up on that because creativity is a is a hard one. I'm working with two campuses right now as an external consultant on how do we measure creativity in students. And so that's something that is, is hard. Uh, we're all wrestling with, with what that means. So um, convey what that means to you. And then, as you said, stick on your LinkedIn space, create your website, uh, make sure that you're, you're celebrating and highlighting that because that's something that um, is very unique, I think, to, to PhDs. We just uh, we do it every day. We invent. We, we think. We ask questions. We, we solve problems. And so um, that, that natural methodology that we go in our heads and do to produce a journal article or whatever is something that um, we've learned over time, but a lot of people haven't. So just be thinking about that creative space. Um, so let me jump into the last one. The last one is probably my favorite and it's probably the, um, the hardest. Uh, and I call it being reflective in action. Uh, if you're a teacher or a presenter, uh, anytime, even in the lab where you're, you know, working with a group of, of students or colleagues and they have questions, you constantly have to be on your feet and ready to go. Uh, so you have to be able to think on your feet. You have to be reflective in that moment. Recall when someone asks a question, oh yeah, once upon a time I saw this in an article, or I recall that I just studied this last summer when I went on that internship. How does that relate to this question this person just asked me? So being able to think on your feet is something that a lot of people don't learn until it's too late. And that's something that is naturally integrated into mm. a PhD experience or a postdoc experience. So uh, like I said, I call it reflective in action. You're constantly asking, is what I'm doing working? Is it not working? Why isn't it working? How can I change it? Going back to those problem solving skills. And the piece that relates to this probably the most, which I think um, is, is something people don't do really well anymore, is listen. Listen to your students or the group or the team, whoever it is that you're working with, what are they really asking of you and how are you answering that? So many times we just sort of glaze over questions people ask us thinking we always know the answers. But, um, you know, just the idea of being reflective in action, thinking on your feet, being able to react to mm. something in a positive way and not seeing it as too much of a threat. So I wasn't sure how that might connect to this group, but it's a great skill that translates to any yeah. type of environment. 
No, and I really like that. So, so whether you call it reflective in action or thinking on your feet, um, I think it can be broken down into a few other things that we've talked about a lot, you guys. Um, you know, one is you have to be decisive and you have to be integrative. And I'm Barbie, you said that word, integrate. Uh, you know, where you can take in information and then you know integrate it into everything else that you know and learn, and then respond to it. Right? You can decide on how to respond, and these are two really important skills. And it does have to do a lot with problem solving and everything. Um, but it's, I'm really glad that, Barbie, you also highlighted, you know, the listening aspect to this or knowing how to respond. And again, I think that comes back to decisiveness. Um, and believe it or not, in business, decisiveness is really important. Like taking responsibility for your actions uh, is critical, too. And, and the people that get promoted the fastest that we see over and over again are the ones that are the most decisive, which is very different from academia uh, where you kind of want to say, you know, it's it's always a group effort or this might be the case or whatever else. Um, being a little bit more decisive is helpful in business. Um, but, I, but I think there's one great tie in here that a lot of you that are listening will understand. It's, you know, all of you can probably remember the time in graduate school when you finally um, learned how to say, I don't know. Right. One of the biggest lessons you had to learn was being able to stand up there and say, I don't know, but I can find this out. And I think that has to do with this, too. Um, you know, if you can tell an interviewer that you may not know the answer to something, but you know how to learn, right? That's what a PhD is anyway. It's a, it's a doctorate of learning, right? You know how to learn. Uh, no matter what it is, you can find the answer um, as long as you know what the question is. So I, I think that's a great skill, and, and there's probably a lot of sub, sub-transferable skill sets uh, within that. So Agreed. That was, a, that was a hard one. I kept making all these connections, but I didn't want to list 30 things. So there's seven. <laughs> yeah, perfect. Very good. Um, so, yeah, just to kind of recap for you guys, because I, I think that's, you know, some of the most critical information that, you know, I've ever heard on transferable skills, especially in terms of breaking it down and making it very practical and, and, th- and thinking of some of the things that you can list on your resumes and, and that you can say when you're networking. Uh, just, to, just to break it down again, the first was speaking and communication. Second was organizational skills, right, management skills. The third was giving and taking feedback, Big skill, uh, simplifying complex information. You, you guys know this. That's a, that's a huge one. Conflict resolution. That's very powerful. And if you can show that um, in an interview, you're going you're to get that job. Uh, creativity and innovation is number six. And then being this reflective in action, uh, just, you know, decisiveness, being able to, you know, say I don't know, but I'll find out, uh, is very very important. Um, so so yeah, great, very thorough answer, um, Barbie. We appreciate that. Uh, so uh, let's see a couple of other questions here. So you have all of these transferable skills. Um, what do you, what do you find is the best way to, and I'm just going to go off here a little bit and and stay with this because that's just some super practical information in terms of communicating this, right? So how how have you seen people communicate this effectively, right? So they have these transferable skills, uh, whether it's on a resume or networking or an interview, you've worked in, in several different disciplines. Um, what's the most effective way to, to talk about your transferable skills? That's great. Um, and I think talking about it is one thing, but demonstrating it is another. So, mm-hmm. you know, as you're thinking about your web spaces um, or the networking pieces, for example, um, you know, one of the things that I'm trying to do, so we'll just I'll go ahead and put myself out there. I'm trying to add more video to my web space because I think I'm an effective presenter, but I have not shown that to anyone. So I can just say it, but it may not mean enough. But if I can show it, yeah. that is more powerful. So any way that you can show your 
work, your accomplishments, your um, ability to do any of these seven things, um, the ability to to um, you know make it visible is something that I always talk about when I'm teaching others how to teach. How do you make learning visible? And in this case, it's how do you make your accomplishments and your skills visible to someone that's looking at your space or networking with you or doing a presentation. Mm. And so I think if you just reframe the question, it's not so much about listing it on a resume or a CV. It's about how do I demonstrate this? Um, and one of the best ways is if you do get that interview, um, well, even before the interview, let's back up to those those cover letters, those application letters. You know, that's a great space to make sure that you are demonstrating some of these seven things. Um, if you want to show you're innovative, don't just say I'm innovative. Like, what have you done? Right. Show me. Mm. Show me what yeah, you've done. Results. What are the outcomes? Right. right. What, what are the outcomes or the results? I want to see that. And, and um, so it's very different to say one thing and to demonstrate another. So that would be probably my best piece of advice that crosses any medium, whether that's a networking event. If you make it to the interview, that's a great space to talk about and pull up these stories and examples. Um, videos on websites, even just a welcome. This is who I am kind of video. If you want to create a personal space for yourself, a personal mm. professional space, um, anything that shows, you know, show me. Show me yes. what you've done. No, and I, I like that a lot. So you guys, we talk a lot about, you know, creating industry credibility, right? Um, and the only way to do that is by demonstrating, not by saying it's one thing to tell somebody at a networking event or on your resume, I have good communication skills. And they go to your LinkedIn profile and they can't even get through your summary because it's written so poorly. Uh, th this is where showing really matters. And this is why spending that time on your LinkedIn profile or for those of you that have gone on to, you know, create a small professional website with your, your resume listed on it. Uh, this is so important because it says, oh, OK, you actually do know some of these more cutting edge, innovative ways to communicate. Um, you are a good communicator. Um, and, and again, just even on the, your cover letters, your, your, your resumes themselves, like display these skills. I, I really like that, Barbie. OK. Thank you for joining us for another Industry Careers for PhDs podcast. If you're interested in attending one of these interviews live, or if you're interested in getting access to the full interview, including all of the background materials and show notes, go to cheekyscientist.com backslash association and learn how to become a associate. Uh, you can get on the wait list for the next association enrollment period there and learn full details about the program. It's a program specifically designed to help PhDs transition uh, into top industry positions. If you would like to see receive more of these interview highlights uh, via our podcast uh, sent directly to your email, go to cheekyscientist.com and email subscribe under where it says start here. If you haven't already, you can also subscribe to this podcast on iTunes. Um, until next week, remember your value as a PhD and start thinking and acting like a successful industry professional.